This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show, and we're back. As you know, we're back every Friday. Some people say Thursday, but okay, we're back one of the days of the week. We're here, and I'm here with Tough Mother Lisa. Hey, hey. Tough Mother Gail. Hello. And Tough Brother Seth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He had to go real low on that one. Um, so I just have a quick question. Lisa, what'd you do last Oh my week? God. I just, I just took off and went to the beach. Oh, yeah. And I'm going right back down this weekend. What a week. And I didn't plan it, but hey. Okay. The weather was crazy it was beautiful. beautiful. I know. Stay out of the water. Oh, the rip currents were ridiculous. People crazy. died. Ridiculous. There's, people died in Jersey. Yeah, yeah a lot. It's really they die scary. in every state, I think, though. <laughs> no, I'm talking about this specific rip current from you. this past weekend. Yeah, it's from Maria, right? I, I think yeah. so. That's yeah. Really, but, but the rip currents were in the news. People oh, just it was nuts. But people go in anyway. No lifeguards, nothing. I was just like, have at it. No, it's very dangerous. And you have to, if you ever get caught in a rip current, you don't try to swim against it. No, you right. go with it. Right. Yes. Go with and it. And you swim like, I think, uh Float parallel. on your back and just go with it. What happens yeah. if you can't float? Well, don't get you in the water. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> don't go in the water. Yeah, stay the hell out of the water. What'd you do, Gailey? I wanted to go to the beach, but I blew out my knee. Oh. I used to, no, listen, listen, it used to be that I would like hurt myself and I would just power on through and I would heal up. I would dance on a, a, a dislocated foot. Now I'm a wuss. I'm a total <laughs> Well, funny part is she's like, I don't know how I did it. I was just walking. <laughs> it, was. it wasn't like I was like, oh, big pirouette, bam, lunge. No, I was walking down 6th Avenue and 46th Street. And all of a sudden it was over. Not even a curb. No. <laughs> Sadly, she's, she tripped on a piece of gum. <laughs> Stuck yeah. to the sidewalk. Stuck to her shoe and she couldn't take another step. Oh, my God. I'm limping in the office and one of the guys goes, well, you know, when you get to our age, this is what's done. I have to like, go. Oh, bite me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> our age. What'd you do? Oh, I went to my grandson's football game, which you know, and it was brutally hot. And I'm not kidding. Of course, they won. I hate one's a quarterback, one's a running back. But um, I'm sitting in the metal bleachers roasting to death and I'm not kidding I was dying there but I want you to remember one thing I I wanted to bring this up and this is um, actually our sponsor for the show remember that even though it's fall and you're sitting on the bleachers and it's cool those kids are sweating those kids on the field are sweating and they're sweating a lot you have to make sure that your children or any child on that field drinks the fact is children need more water than than adults do their body requires more water actually and they lose more water through their skin um Actually, Lisa was going to say 75% of their body is right. water. Versus 60% in adults. Right. right. Drinking water um, helps regulate their body temperature. It actually helps their organs and tissues, and it lubricates their knees, joints, elbows. Like, you got to remember, when you're playing a sport, those are the injury zones. So you want to stay lubricated. And please make sure your kids are drinking, whether you think, oh, he's, no, I'm not, I'm not there, Sam, go to... Make them drink. Make a game of it. Make it fun. And if you go to Nestle Life Water or nestlepure.com, it's nestlepurelife.com, their site, they have great, great tips on how to get your kids to drink. Nestle Life Water is the healthy hydration company, houses great brands. They have Deer Park, they have Ice Mountain, um, Nestle Pure Life, 
Nestle Splash, um, Poland Springs is another one of theirs. But on their site, nestlepurelife.com, they have great facts about how to hydrate your children, things that you can do to make your children hydrated. And, and actually, one of the things to do to help your children learn to be hydrated is to drink water yourself. Well, that's it. You know. Yeah, so don't sit there with a Coke and then ask the kids to drink water. <laughs> so, but that's also a good point, though, you know, Karen, that we also need to hydrate, too. We lose so much of the water without paying attention. You get the cramps in the middle of the night if you're leg is cramped up you're dehydrated get up and drink some nestle's water absolutely so a bottoms up to a strong season whether it's football soccer um any sport that your kids are playing and to you keep your joints lubricated keep Mm -hmm. everything going drink some nestle pure life water and we'll be right back because we have a great guest this guest is going to prove what it's like to be hydrated jen welter actually dr jen welter is the first ever female NFL coach, and I've got her right here. We'll be back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Today's guest has my complete and total respect. Dr. Doctor, I say, Jen Welter, has paved the way over and over again for women in a man's world. Not only was Jen Welter the first female signed to the Texas Revolution of the Indoor Football League, making her one of the first women to join in the ranks of men's professional football. She is a two-time gold medalist and Team USA running back. The first female NFL coach, first female NFL coach. Thank you, Seth. Awesome. And a motivational speaker. It's with great admiration and all that I like to welcome my friend and one tough mother, Jen <laughs> Welter. <laughs> Rocket, oh, babe. Awesome. You guys are awesome. The one thing I will say is that I will not take credit for being a Team USA running back. Um, I was a linebacker. The only time I played running back was really um, a few times I was like a blocker when I played in women's football because that was hitting people. Okay. But um, generally, I prefer to tackle. Yeah. Um, and I'm much better at it. Um, I did, <laughs> however, play running back for the Texas Revolution. So everybody assumes because I played running back in men's football that that's what I did in women's. Um, but I'm a way better tackler than I ever thought of being a running back. Oh, my God. There's nothing I love more than a badass that knows how to hit. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would take that all day, every day. And if you've never gotten an opportunity to tackle, it is one of the best feelings in the world when you do it right. And that's that's one of my principles that you will see, like, even if you read um, the interviews when some people talked to, like, the Cardinals players that I coached, and they would be like, you know, Coach Jen is a beast about fundamentals. Yeah, it's called tackling. Because the sport doesn't – I mean, it looks really bad when we don't do it right. And – so I, I am always like on people about tackling technique and form because at five foot two, uh, you know, I, I couldn't just outbig anybody. So I really had to be fundamentally sound. That's awesome. You know why? Because my 11 and 13 year old grandsons play. One's a quarterback and one is an outside receiver. And but they play both sides of the ball because their team is small. Yeah, of course. And I'm oh, it's oh I'm always saying read the field, read the field, read the field because you know my three sons played from little to all the way through college. So yep. it's all about reading the field and the fundamentals. You're right, 100. percent You don't get hurt that way. I mean, you get there's less likelihood of getting hurt. Good tackles don't hurt the tackler or the tackle. Oh. Usually, when something, yeah, I mean, it's like I I mean I've literally been hit by men, and it it wasn't like the normal tackle doesn't really hurt, right? It's when, you know, people get wrapped up or there's multiple people or something's awkward that you see people get injured. Yeah, and, that's and a that's good point. I tell people. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, when yeah, somebody yeah. falls on you, you're 5'2 and 130 pounds. So say uh, one of my boys, uh, 6'4", 280, falls on you, it hurts. Yeah, you're squished, but it's not like you're going to die. Right, 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 I mean, right, right. You're squished, and it's uncomfortable. I mean, we've all had somebody big, like, you know, fall on us at, at some point. You're like, all right, all right, this this is not this is not good. Yeah, get up. Move, like, <laughs> I can't breathe. But it's not, you know, that's not where injuries happen. Right, right, right. That's awesome. So now I have yeah. to ask you, why? Why football? You know, I grew up in Bureau Beach, Florida which is a small town, and it was the biggest thing in a small town. It was like, this is 
these are the real life gladiators. You know, the, the stadium was so big, the lights were so bright. And I, and I always wanted to be one of them. Um, and I was just enchanted by it, but I never had a chance to play until after college. What did your family think? I mean, come on. Mom, hi. Um, I need lunch for tomorrow and you decide my football pass. What do they think? Uh, you know, my mom actually, when I went to play football, was really upset at first. Um, I was coming from rugby and my mom was like, oh, I don't know about football. And my dad was like, listen, Nancy, she's finally going to have a helmet. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby's nasty. Right. Right. So, you know, I went from tackling with no pads and no helmets to tackling with pads and a helmet. And I, I always credit my success in football with um, my rugby roots. Wow. Because I learned how to tackle with no pads and no helmets um, the right way and very effectively. And so when you gave me pads and a helmet... I, I didn't change the way I tackled. Um, I just had more protection. Right. And so, you know, that's something that I'm really passionate about is that, you know, you don't need those things. And when you don't think of it as like, I have this helmet that keeps me safe all the time, you're less likely to use your head in that way. Will your head sometimes make contact? Of course it will, because we're not perfect, but it's not designed that way. Right. And great tacklers don't lead with their head. Awesome. That's an awesome point. Give me the rundown. I mean, I know you played 14 seasons pro football with the women's professional team, but give me the rundown of your whole career, could you? Yeah. Four years rugby, Boston College. After that, went to an open tryout with the Mass Mutiny. Made it. Played with them two seasons. Then played with the um, Dallas Dragons for one season the Dallas Diamonds for 10 seasons. The following season is when I went to the Texas Revolution and played that entire season with the guys. Um, then at the end of that season, I helped out some of my favorite people in the world who were at that time playing because Houston Energy because the Dallas Diamonds had folded. So I played four games with the Houston Energy that season. Um, the following season, I coached for the Texas Revolution. Um, and then I went directly from the Texas Revolution to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and then the following season, um, I helped out my sisters on the Dallas Elite football team, which was founded by um, two of my former teammates, Maria Spencer and Odessa Jenkins. And I was like that in case of emergency break glass to activate that because um, I couldn't really go to practice because I was never there, but just in case. Um, and it was still in the game, and then I, I retired after that season. So wow, that's it. So and that was just last year. So. You get a pat. You get the pat. It says, "Hey, you're going up to the NFL." <laughs> what What the hell did you think? Seriously? Well, it you know it wasn't actually a pat. First of all, let's start to my my first opportunity in coaching, which I promptly turned down. Um, I didn't feel like I was ready. I hadn't ever thought about coaching football. Um, I had done a bunch of clinics and I would always help out. And, you know, even when I was with the revolution and say on a game, cause I was on practice squad most of the year, you know, I would help out the linebackers because on arena football, you don't have nearly the coaches as in the NFL. And so um, having been a defensive player, my whole career, I'd be able to see stuff and I'd be like, Hey, they're doing this, try this next time, blah, blah, blah. But it never translated to me that I could actually coach football because there were no women I could look at and say, I want to be her. Right. So when Wendell Davis, who is former Dallas Cowboy, um, said, you know, all Devin Wyman, who was his defensive coordinator at the time, and I could talk about after we met you, was how you have to coach this football team. And I said, no, uh-uh, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to coach football. I might still want to play. I don't, I, and and I, I never coached before. You want to throw me right into men's professional football? Absolutely not. Yeah, that sounds scary, yeah. Yeah, and he said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this damn job. And I said, no. And I hung up on him. So Wendell calls me back the next day. And he says, you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity and you were taking this damn job? I said, yeah. He said, good. I took it for you. 
Oh, no. You're kidding. He said, you're, no. He said, you're coaching for me. And by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise, the narrative surrounding women coaching men's professional football will be, we had a girl once and she quit. Oh, my God. Now, oh. not only are you thrown in the face of men, but now you've got to carry that on your back. Yep. And I, I love Wendell for it. Um, I, I'm so thankful that him and Devin both believed in me. Because, you know, they saw something in me before I even saw it in myself. And so I think a lot of I, I think a lot of the times, you know, as women, we say women have to help women. But if there are no women in the room, a guy has to open the door for you. And we, and we forget that sometimes because right. we've gotten so good about saying, like, I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own. Well, none of this stuff that the major points in my life could I have done on, on my own, right? right Whether right, it was right. the women in women's football or the men in men's football, people, you know, helped open those doors for me. And at, at the transition to men's football, it was always men. And whether it was the guys I played with who taught me how to really be a great teammate and to let them look out for me, to let them be champions for me, right. to set the example that I was one of them and they would defend me as opposed to me fighting all of them, that was one of the hardest lessons of my life. Right. Oh, right. my gosh. I was like, are you kidding me? I was one of the best women's players in the world, and now all of a sudden I went from being one of the best players in the world in Team USA and, you know, undoubtedly hands down was surrounded by the best players of the game, and I was among them, to now being scratching and clawing and fighting to be the low man on the totem pole. And those men taught me so much. Right? right, that it then helped me when I was coaching them because I, I wasn't coming in like, you know, oh, I'm all that in a bag of donuts, right? right, like, right. I, I was like, all right, I'm going to help you where I can help you, and we're in this together, and my job is to make you better, whether it's in football or in life. Right, and, right. And my doctorate in psychology was one of the best things I had with me. It was the best tool in my toolbox because I didn't try and coach like the men. I I was okay with my very distinct style. Mm -hmm, right. And so the transition to the NFL was actually kind of funny, right? Because it wasn't supposed to happen and it wasn't some logical chain of events. It was um, just a really cool story about, you know, a guy like Bruce Arians being somebody who had the opportunity to make change and being willing to be ballsy enough to do it. Right. Because what happened is, and I always... I, I, I like to point that out, and I don't know if I did a good enough job when I was first out of Arizona pointing that out because so many people focus on the fact like, Jen, you know, you did a great job, and of course they should let you in, and of course he should have done that. No, of course nothing. Right. If one thing would have gone wrong, it would have been his entire coaching legacy. And Bruce was, in my opinion, should be every woman's hero, whether you like football or not, because of the stand he was willing to make. And he was willing to open a door that wasn't even conversation at that point. Nobody was talking about when will there be a woman coach. And it just happened through a chain of events. It happened because Sarah Thomas was announced as the first full-time female ref. And Sarah is now a dear friend of mine. I love her. She's one of the coolest women you'll ever meet. And somebody asked Bruce Arians in response to Sarah's hiring if he could ever see a female coaching in the NFL. And Bruce said, the minute a woman proves that she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. Wow. That's, had, you know, you had to step out of your car at the practice field the first day and, like, stand there and be like, holy hell. Like, you had to just kind of, like, you had to have been thrown back a little bit, like, wow. It's like walking into the arena and the Lions are there and you're, like, not, you don't know what's going to happen. You had to have gone in there just, just, I don't know. Tell me. Tell me how you went in, how you felt. Well, the moment I had that feeling was really when I went to OTAs before I had a job, but Bruce wanted to meet with me. And I walk out on the, the Cardinals practice field and here, are a, you know, a whole NFL team. And, and I just kind of was like taken aback. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like the closest I had ever been to an NFL sideline was the nosebleed section. And here I am at this practice and I'm going to go talk to this, the head coach of the team. And I was like, <gasps> Oh my goodness. And then it was like, there's this familiar sound and it's like that sound of pads popping and, and football practice and whistles and cleats and, and all of those things that had been such a part of me for my whole life. And it was kind of like, 
oh my gosh, I, I feel like I'm home. Right. Right. And then Bruce Arians is, he's just, he's everything that you would hope he is when you watch him in interviews. Like he seems like such a cool dude. He is that guy. I was hoping right? you'd say that because yeah, oh. he seems very cool. He's one of my favorite people on the face of the planet for obvious reasons. But beyond that, because of the man he is, he made me feel like I'd known him my whole life in about five minutes because awesome. of the easy way he, you know, carries his authority. He, you know, I, I remember I was like, you know, Coach Arians. And he was like, oh, don't call me that. My friends call me Bruce or B.A. Ah, Coach Arians is too formal. You know, and it was like, well, all right. Okay, B.A. Like, if you meet him, he'll say B.A. But I, I think I was still a... I don't think I was in BA territory yet at that time. I think I called him Bruce. But, um, you know, he just, he has this way about him. And I, I just remember thinking, I would run through a wall for this guy. And I knew why the players loved him the way they do, because he just has a special way of, you know, bringing you in and letting you be a part of his world. And we just naturally fell into conversation and, um, you know, here he is, the head coach of an NFL team, and and here I am, this this girl who's coaching an arena and, and never even been close to a sidelines, and, you know, he makes me feel like I'm the most important person he's ever talked to. That's incredible. And, That's just crazy. Yeah. Because, you know what, I wondered about that. That was, I always saw, how did it feel like, let's face it, I mean, Jen, you're, you're tiny. I'm 5'7", you're 5'2". And you maybe soaking wet, you probably weigh 130 pounds. I mean, you are like, you are just like all muscle and, and probably zero fat. And you must have just stood there and looked up at these guys like, holy, I just can't imagine. In my mind, I am XXL. In clothes, <laughs> good girl. <laughs> I am a small. So I never really realized, like, and I think it's because I played football for so long. I never really realized just how small I am until I look at pictures of, like, until I look at pictures. And right. I'm kind of like, oh. Right, right, right. Oh, those guys are kind of big. <laughs> right? But around them, it's like, you know, you're so used to it. I mean, I played against guys, so you, you can't really look at them that way. Right. Um, and if I hadn't had all those experiences, yeah, I'm sure I would. But now I, it's like, you know, I'm so used to being around like big guys, right? Um, that that I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'd do if I was surrounded by people who were like my size. I mean, and that only happens if they're like nine years old. So. <laughs> you know, that's true because my sons, like I said, are like six four, six five. You know, they're huge, and people go, "Wow, those boys are huge," and I'll be like, "Really?" Like you, you forget that they're that yeah. big because yeah. you're so used to that big. Like everybody in my family is that big. I am actually the shortest. At five seven mm -hmm. in my family, my sister, my daughter, everybody else is taller than me. So, right. But not only football. You've, that's not only the only accomplishment you have in your life. You have a doctorate. Tell me what degrees you have. What do degrees do you hold right now? Um, I have a master's degree in sports psychology and a PhD in psychology, which is is focused in sports as well. They just don't call it a you know PhD in psychology or in sports psychology specifically. But that is my area of focus and expertise. Um, and the reason I did that was, you know, what people have to remember is though I was playing pro football, you know, pro football as a woman, and I always, I usually say pro instead of professional mm -hmm. because, you know, our budget wasn't big enough. We couldn't afford all those letters, right? So let's just <laughs> stick with pro, okay? We were making a dollar a game at that. Like that's, that's the disparity between women's football and men's football. So... Um, I was literally, you know, working by day, playing football by night and going to school by late night. And my vision was that I could take my practical experience, having played football, having played in the game, to combine that with the theoretical knowledge and study um, and expertise from school to be able to provide unique perspectives, uh, both to athletes and to people who wanted to understand you know, the psyche of athletes and, and, and of sports in the world in general um, relative to that population, which is, which is very different, obviously, than general population. And it also translates into a lot of, you know, high performance. Um, there's a lot of crossover 
um, and the mentality of excellence is is kind of at the core of sports psychology. It's very positive psychology. And so I thought I'd be able to kind of marry those two worlds and, and be a unique asset. And, and that was my goal. That's amazing. And you know what? I read something. I think it was on uh, LinkedIn that you had posted about um, a hangover. You know, when you when you've gone and you've done so many things and your life is a constant, constant um, strive, you strive to perfect things and to go further and further and it's a real hard push. Then you get that when you, when kind of you have that lull when it's not happening. It mm-hmm. is, it is. What did you call that hangover? A, um... a success hangover. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking about that the next, the other day because it's like you do something. Like, so let's take for this, for this summer, for example, I was the head coach of the Australian women's national team and that ended in July. And then immediately when it's done, everybody's like, okay, so what's next? And you're like, oh, I'm failing. I, I don't have I, nothing right yeah. now. I don't, I don't yeah. know, right? Like, mm-hmm. can I breathe for one minute? You know, and, and so many times in, in especially being the first, it's not a clear progression, right? Like you don't get a success hangover if it's like when I went from the revolution to the Cardinals because you this is the next step, right? But when it drops off and it's like something's over that you invested in so much, it's like you had the highest of the highs and then you're like, uh... Yeah, seriously. Okay, Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't feel great, right? Right. I I don't feel great. And everybody wants the answers of of what's next. And It's a um, lot of pressure. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you did this, you did this, you did this. So, how are you going to top it? That's almost how they say it. Don't you feel that way? That's exactly it. And one of my... One of the things I always tell people is I've never wanted to live my life in the rearview mirror, meaning just solely defining myself by what I did in the past. And that's, and that's really a challenging perspective, having been the first female coach in the NFL, because that is why most people know of me now. Right, right. right? And yet, so I look at that as a double-edged sword in that, it is a part of me, and it, it is something I'm hugely proud of, and I love all of the people, and I'm so grateful. And it's also, but there is the question of what's next. Right. And there is always the question of, so what are you going to do with that? And so my barometer is that people look to me to be inspired um, or, or to see what's possible. And so I, I always want to continue to to find ways to um, help put hope in other people, no. um, whether it's in their lives or in something that I'm doing in mine, and to be very realistic about the fact that life is not perfectly polished or punctuated or, you know, any of those things that we hope it's going to be like, you know, what is your five-year plan? Like, anytime I hear a five-year plan, it makes me really nauseous. Right. I'm right. like, I have a five-second, a five-minute, a five-day, a five-week, and hopefully a five-month period, and maybe a bigger goal, but I don't necessarily have a number that I can put on it, um, and, and that's kind of how I've had to do it, because nobody's done it before me. Right. Right? So it's not, it's, it's constantly living your life as a moving target. And being okay with that and realizing that in doing that, sometimes you're going to take a wrong turn or what feels like a wrong turn. But even in that, there, there's a lot of lessons learned and that, that is the power of the pivot. And I think everybody should believe in the power of the pivot in their own career, meaning don't just feel like you have to go one way because you've been going that way. See it and realize that taking one step to the left might have all of the answers for you. Right. And that it doesn't mean you've, you've abandoned the things that you did. It's just you've taken them and you've, you've channeled them in a new and exciting direction. You're so right. And now you've got this great book. Tell me about your book. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I can't believe it's finally here. Um, Play Big means a lot of things to me. Right? It, it tells some of the stories from my career. Um, there are so many good stories that it's hard to fit them all in one book. So it, it, it will probably hopefully be the first of many. Um, but it tells stories and it gives people takeaways for life. So um, 
I know some people are like, oh, well, I'm not a football person. I don't know if I'll like it. Well, it's not a, a football story, really. It's a life story that, for me, played out on the football field. But the lessons translate, you know, transcend football. Right. And it's a very fun and honest version of my life in which um, realistically to have been in all these situations and had it happen, um, my philosophy is like roll with the punches and hopefully roll with laughter because there are just times when I would have to laugh, right? Because nobody had done it before. So there are things that are just going to be weird or awkward or funny. And like you can either look for reasons to be upset um, and let it get to you or you can just laugh about it and keep it moving and realize that we are all very much a work in progress. It's so true. Um, so true. Yeah. And so it tells a lot of those and, and it tells some really important messages for our society right now. Um, I am a big believer in the power of diversity and the strength that comes through diversity. Um, I learned that through football. Football is the one sport where it does not work if everybody looks the same. Mm -hmm. If everybody has the same talent and ability, no football team can win. And so my football family is women and men who I've played with, played against, coached with, coached against, domestic and abroad. And it is people of every make, model, shape, size, creed, color, and sexual orientation. And I love my family. They make me better every single day. That's awesome. And I, I have gotten to literally, you know, walk through the trenches with some of these guys and women and hear their stories and experience them with them. And they all make me better. And um, whether it was the diversity of, you know, the players on the team or of bringing a woman onto, you know, into the ultimate boys club. I just think it makes us all better. And it's, and it's not about being better than somebody as being the same as them. It's about welcoming the different voices to the table and realizing that as a staff or as a business or as a country, we are stronger when we have different, different perspectives. Um, because then we create synergy and different talents and we as individuals look for ways to make each other shine. Well, you definitely rock. And you know what? In support of you, I will definitely. When did your book drop? Because I want to buy a couple copies for my grandsons. October 3rd. Okay, awesome. So I'll buy a couple copies, but I'm going to take the jacket off of them and send them because I want it signed. I'll trade, you you a, I'll, I'll trade you a signature for a Tough Mother shirt. Oh, wait, I get, did you have a Tough Mother shirt? I think you do. Yeah, you sent me one. I oh, have one. Yeah, take a picture in of it. I'll trade you the signed jackets for your picture in a Tough Mother shirt. In the meantime, you it, really it'll rock. It'll be a little while, though, because I am on the road now. I will be on the road for uh, quite some time with the launch, and it's at my house. But I, I will get that picture to you, I promise. Thank you, doll. So I'm going to let Tough Mother Lisa and Tough Mother Gail ask you a question before we sign off. I, all I can say, Jen, is I'm in all of you and everything that you've done and to keep going. And, you know, if, if your next step is to settle down for a while or whatever your next step is in life, I support it 100%. Whatever that you want to do is what you want to do. You know your path, obviously. You're you're very good at knowing what direction to take and when to pivot. So let me give you to a tough mother, Lisa. Go ahead, Lisa. Oh, my God. I'm in awe of you, Dr. Welter. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question on um, success when we were, you were talking about that. A lot of people actually have a fear of success, and I will um, admit I am one of them from time to time because if you are successful, you leave everything that has been comfortable, that you know, your environment, your friends, your family, whatever, usually behind because you're made for something bigger and better, and you know that. Yep. But to take that step is scary. So did you ever experience anything like that? And if so, just really quick, how'd you get over it? Every single day. Okay, I'm not alone. I feel in good company, Yes. Look, I mean, success is not comfortable, right? Being great and changing the game requires you to do things that have not been done. And you have to be willing in this world to bet on yourself. The way that I, I handle that, though, is, you know, you, would, you guys would probably laugh. But it, I still see myself as the girl who played football for a dollar a game. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I just have a lot more people know, and I still have, um, you know, very much my, and that's, you know, that's all the women I played with. So I push forward for them on days that I might not push forward for myself. Okay. And I need people around me who see bigger things for me um, and will push me to not be comfortable too, right? And, and can tell me, like, you can do this, even though, for example, you know, stepping out off the football field is harder for me, right? right. You guys see playing football against men or playing football as, as this hard thing. To me, that's, that's comfort, right? right? That, right. That's, that's the world that I, I became great in. You know, I can fall back into that in 2.2 mm. seconds, you know, give me cleats and a ponytail holder and we're going, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, you know, looking more towards, say, the business world and, and having to be that person who's like, nope, you know what, I'm not going to do that for a dollar anymore, right? That was a really hard transition to be able to find that balance. And so I think when, when you look at life as being not an end goal, progression that helps a lot right because it's not it's not in one day that you're defining how great you can be it's it's what things are you willing to do on a day-to-day basis for that right and and in what places where you might not be able to do it on your on your own or where you may not be the best person to do it will you let someone else help you and yeah. women are very bad at that, myself included. Right. Thank you so because much. Thank you so it. much, Jen. You got it. Go ahead, Gail. Talk Mother Gail. I just think you are absolutely 380 degrees fantastic. You've got <laughs> such a great spirit. You're like seemingly so well balanced, and I follow you, and I just adore you from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. Um, I just want you to know that. And I will keep on. That photograph of you in Houston with that man uh-huh. made me weep like a baby. It was beautiful, poignant, and sad at the same time. And the comfort that looked, looked, looked like you were giving him was so well-meaning. It's making me choke up right now. Um, just moving forward in your life or, or in, in the past, have you ever had anything hit you that knocked you down that you thought you wouldn't be able to get up from? Absolutely. And I think everybody does. And mm-hmm. I think anybody who's, who tells you that they haven't is not being honest with you. Right. Um, if anybody ever tells you that they're perfect or they've never had down days, I probably won't listen to anything that they say. <laughs> right. 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 Yep. Because it's not life. Right. You know, it's not life. Um, you know, I, I just the other day, um, one of the most recent, and I, and I cried days in and days out over this, is one of my very favorite people in this whole world and um, one of my best friends, uh, Sean Adams, passed away uh, of a heart attack at 46 years old. Oh, wow. We're sorry. And wow. Yeah. Sorry, and Sean was somebody I thought would be in my life forever. Yeah. He was somebody who never let me settle for less in myself, pushed me, kept me honest, ticked me off, you know, <laughs> gave me a high five, gave me a kick in the butt. He was one of the best people you ever met in your life. And 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 I I couldn't handle it. Right. I, you know, here's this person I, I counted on like we would be in our rocking chairs laughing about our our craziness one day. Right? Mm-hmm. And in a minute, he was gone. That's oh, so sad. So sad. And all I could think of is, you know, that he'd be like, baby girl, you got to move. Yeah. Because he would have been the first one to be like, uh-uh, don't you? Right. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yep. We're yeah. not doing this. You got too much. And I, I found myself just talking to him. And I, I even sent him a text message knowing he wasn't there. Yeah. Just yeah. saying thank you. For always being that person in my life, and I believe that he is somewhere watching from the grand stands, even higher than normal, Absolutely. and that he is, you know, he is probably my my fiercest advocate from from above. I have and a that's feeling the he's the only gonna... way I can tell me. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's going to come kick you in the ass when you need it. Jen, I, oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for everything. I really can't. And uh, we appreciate you being on the show. We're excited about your book. You'll be back, right? You'll come back on the show? You come up, to, you come up to New York at any point? Let us know. Yeah. We'd love Absolutely. to have you in the studio. In the studio, and then yeah. she's throwing a football with me. All right, you, you oh got to throw God. a football with Lisa. She doesn't know how to throw a I learned how to throw yes, a spiral <laughs> once. <laughs> thank hey, you. there you go. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the interview, and good luck with everything you do. We've, you've got You're us on so your welcome. side. We were watching you. It. Big love. Uh, hey, I, I love having tough mothers on my side. Come you got on. it, babe. You got that. <laughs> we're here for you, honey. <laughs> Have a great day, Jen. You too. Bye-bye. Get the book. Bye. Bye-bye. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. <laughs> and we're back. Seth gave me the big wave. And we're here with Tough Mother's Headlines and Headaches. And Lisa, what do you got for us? Oh, my God. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. So the first story, umbilical cords, stem cells can treat heart failure. Mm -hmm. I urge everybody to go to vascular business because there's going to be a lot of information that I cannot tell you. So go there for the full story. But a new treatment using stem cells from the umbilical cord increased ejection fraction and improve quality of life in heart failure patients. This was a study published in Circulation Research. Study corresponding author Fernando Figueroa, MD, professor of medicine at the Universidad de Los Andes in Chile, said, we are encouraged by our findings. This could pave the way to non-invasive, promising new therapy for a group of patients who face grim odds. In their research, the umbilical cords were obtained from full-term human placentas from healthy donors by C-sections after informed consent. Patients underwent intravenous infusions with either the stem cells or placebo. No safety complications were reported. While encouraged by their findings, the author said additional studies are needed to evaluate the treatment on a larger scale. How cool is that I wish that I was a that is that was awesome better. that's awesome um, I saw this and I, I have to talk about it empathy is key for Microsoft culture it was on CBS this morning this week I love this people want to work for companies that care about what's happening in their lives the CEO of Microsoft Satya Nadella has a new book coming out called guess hit refresh mm. <laughs> So apropos, in it, he described how during his last interview at Microsoft, the very last question was, what would you do if you saw a child lying in the road? He said, after thinking there was an algorithm to this, call 911. The interviewer literally mm -hmm. got up, left the room, and came back and said, when a child is on the ground and crying, you pick them up and hug them. He said, that was my first big lesson in empathy. Others who are aligned with this kind of thinking? Sheryl Sandberg, mm -hmm. COO of Facebook. To her, it means sharing what you are going through so others can help and empathize and help you through it. Empathy is one of those decent, common-sense values that Meg Whitman, CEO of Hewlett-Packard, also wishes more leaders had. I thought that was just extremely... It makes for a better work environment and people feel that you actually care. It certainly does. Okay, get ready. New STDs cases hit record high in the U.S. I think this is very important. That's just great. In 2016, America had more than 2 million new cases of gonorrhea, syphilis, and chlamydia, the highest number ever reported, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said on Tuesday. So we're now going to refer to them to, as the CDC. Only these three STDs are required by law to be reported to the CDC by doctors. If not treated, a lot of people don't know, but I'm going to point this out right now. If not treated, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis can have serious consequences, mm -hmm. including death and higher risk for HIV. Chlamydia is known as the silent infection because most people don't even know they have the symptoms, okay? And it can cause steril sterility in women and testicular pain in men. Gonorrhea can also be silent, but symptoms usually come out, such as burning during urination and discharge. Now, syphilis is scary because it's the most serious and often called the great pretender. I think there was a song for that. Symptoms such as rashes, fever, sore throat, serious head and muscle aches, mimicking other diseases, but they eventually go away. However, the disease progresses and, if not treated, can affect the brain, heart, and other organs and lead to death. Newsflash from Tough Mother Lisa. We all know STDs come with a stigma, but that stigma is not worth your life. Go get tested. Please go get tested. Oof. 
Amazon, are they ever not in the news? Well, guess what? A group in Arizona sent Amazon Jeff Bezos a 21-foot cactus in headquarter bid. <laughs> Sun Corridor is an economic development company group that recruits jobs and businesses to Tucson in the southern part of Arizona. The cactus is part of Sun Corridor's Inc.'s bid to get Tucson and Arizona in the running for the Amazon's second headquarters in the country. We wanted to make sure Mr. Bezos and his team notice us and send a message of we have room for you to grow here for the long term, said Joe Snell, president and CEO. Okay, Gail, how happy are you going to be? Right I now? actually sent him a, a, a email asking him if he could sponsor the show, Amazon. Why not? He does everything else. You know, uh, we, we talk about him every show. We every damn show. show. Every, every we can't show. not talk about it. Yeah, so I need him to sponsor And guess it. what? The next person we're talking about, we talk about in every other show, and I'm reaching out to her too. Dove and Shonda Rhimes team up Real Beauty Productions. That's great. All right, everybody, here's a fact Floyd. Did you know that 69% of women agree they don't see themselves reflected in advertising, television, and movies? That's a big surprise. Dove and Shonda Rhimes launched Real Beauty Productions, RBP, to expand the definition of beauty by putting the power of storytelling into real woman's hands. And that's what we stand for, ladies. That's right. Share a story about you or someone you love that expands the definition of beauty. RBP wants to hear from women everywhere from every background. Throughout the year, Shonda and Dove will work with women to tell their stories and inspire us all to celebrate. Every woman has a story. That's Go to cool. DoveRealBeauty.com to share yours. Maybe she'll come up with one of you guys. It'll end up being well, a I got a bunch of stories. Yes, you never know. Um, I got to say this because it was just the most amazing little thing. A groom saves a boy from drowning. This happened in Canada. Oh, my God. Clayton and Brittany Cook were just finishing their wedding pics. Clayton all of a sudden notices a little boy nearby, like, fell in a pond and was swelling and flailing arms and this and that. So what does he do? He leaves the pictures, jumps in with his suit, and pulled the boy out. Poor kid. But the groom stayed in his suit the entire time of the reception. And his bride, not surprised at all. That's why she married him. That's just who he is, exactly. And Steven Tyler suffers unexpected medical issues. Aerosmith announced on Tuesday it would cancel the remaining four dates of its South American tour leg due to Steven Tyler's unexpected medical issues. Steven is expected to make a full recovery, the band said in a statement on his Twitter account. The exact cause of Tyler's medical conditions was not disclosed, but the singer reassured all fans his condition was not serious. Please do not worry, Tyler said. I am not in a life-threatening condition, but I need to deal with this right away and get some rest and medical care immediately in order to sustain and maintain my future performances with just me and my opinion sounds like vocal cord trouble that's oh, just yeah. me that's what it know. sounds yeah, like you would know that yeah yeah okay and um do you want me to do quickies so should we do the mail uh let's do quickies then gail can do the mail okay quickies dancing with the stars barbara corcoran poor thing first person to be eliminated she told abc news it was the first time she cried in 25 years out of aspiration did you see her did you guys see her no i didn't watch i it. thought she was pretty good from no, what i heard I she was but it. yeah but you know the competition is stuff. yeah and she's used to making deals hmm <laughs> Kyler Gen- Kylie Jenner and boyfriend Travis Scott are expecting, and Khloe Kardashian and boyfriend Tristan Thomas are also expecting. Ooh. Hello. As usual, they keep it all in the family. The Princess Bride. Remember that movie? Oh, it's my return. God. Yes. Yes. My kids loved that movie. 30th anniversary, people. Got a little bit of trivia for you. Who played Buttercup, the princess? Oh, uh, I don't remember. Oh, no way. Andre the Giant? Uh, good one, Seth. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Okay, he's, he's so. in the movie. He is in the movie. Okay, so who knows who played Buttercup? Come on, people. Anybody? Any takers? Um, I, I, I don't uh, remember. Buttercup. Was she it stars in House of Cards. Uh, no. Robin Wright. <gasps> I Robin Wright. Love her. I do too. Okay, the world's <laughs> highest-paid TV actress in 2017 is drumroll, please. Sophia Vergara. I don't get it. Yeah, well, $41.5 million. Now you get it. Yeah. She's got tons of endorsements. I mean, it's oh, ridiculous. Okay. okay, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez are each donating $1 million to Puerto Rico Hurricane Relief. Indina Menzel married her Rent movie co-star Aaron Haar last Saturday, and she stunned in a Car- Carolina Herrera gown, and she also married was married to Tate Diggs, yeah. who was in... The Broadway rent show with her. Okay, mm. a little thing going on there. They've got a son too. Yeah, 
All right. Now, I think this is awesome. Saudi Arabia has now decided to allow women to drive. <laughs> women were protesting this, get this, by driving cars, <laughs> then posting the videos of it online. I mean, how beautiful is that? Right. Look, I'm driving. I'm posting. <laughs> Come and try to stop me. Kind of, get me. That's kind of dangerous, though, right? To video while driving. You're not supposed to use I'm your phone. I'm sure someone well, else is in the car. I don't think that they have, like, they're probably out somewhere, right? I'm Somebody's sure in the car with them uh-huh. videotaping. We would like uh, to, to think look into that. they're smart enough to make sure they've got, you know, videotaper. I knew this was a bad idea. Oh. <laughs> Good one, Seth. And that's it for the quickie, sponsored by Nestle's Life Waters, the healthy hydration company. And delicious. And we're going to be right back with Tough Mother Gale and the Mother's Mail. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back, and we're back here with Tough Mother Gail and the Tough Mother Mail. It's Tough Mother Mail time. And it's sponsored by Dove Skin Care. Be your beautiful self. I love them, by the way. Their campaign is excellent. It they is, are, they really have is. really great I mean, campaigns. real, they're real women. Okay. Not, you know what I mean. Diversity. All right. Uh, first one here we have is from Roberta. Dear One Tough Mother, I'm constantly getting stood up on the first date. Always in the friend zone. I have a job, a car, and I'm a good-hearted, honest person. All my male friends think I'm the perfect girlfriend, yet here I am, still single. I'm fat, but I'm happy and comfortable with who I am. I try to remain positive, but I'm getting rather sick of being single. Roberta. Hmm. Hmm. I hate that. Hmm. Always being stood up. Yeah. Let's let Seth jump in on that one I first. because the same thing. Yeah, same you know, thing. I have a friend of mine who who's attractive and she's got a lot going for her, but she always has trouble with getting a date because she just gives up so easily. You know, like, oh, I tried her in a dating once. It didn't work. I was like, you have to keep going. And oh, yeah. That's, that's the thing. You can't, you can't just quit and say, oh, well, this doesn't work. Help me. What's wrong? You have to stay positive and just keep going because it's like, it's like a, an actor or an actress or, or going for a job. That's you gotta go through all the no's to get to the yes. And once you find the right one, it'll make it all worthwhile. And a good point, Seth. Thank yes. you. Wow. You got it. Something really usable there. Mm. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> what do you think, Lisa? Well, the thing that I'm com- perplexed with is why are you getting stood up on a first date? Yeah. That I don't understand that. I, I wish she would have elaborated just a little bit I more did. about that. And, you know, she. And the other thing is are you going for the same type of men who over and over might not want to date you i mean we all have types and we all you know so maybe you want to look at that and um write us and let us you know just elaborate a little bit more on why you're getting stood up on the first date are you saying something you know oh can't wait to see you oh i dreamed about you last night can't wait to see you. i mean i don't know it could be anything look look, i was in the loop with the the same guy withholding man for this it was always somebody that was withholding what you know we do that we do get caught in patterns my other question is why did you feel the need to tell us that you're fat? Like, yeah, you know what? As soon as you said that, did you see me look up yeah. at you? Mm-hmm. I was like, it's, what? It's not something you you need to lead with if you're comfortable with that, right? You know, it's something you really don't think about. So you might want to reconsider how you're feeling about your physicality. Um, I hope that you re- really are comfortable with yourself. Um, I, you know, I would just write us and give us a little bit more information, so maybe we can help to. Give some more advice, but I think Seth's also right. Keep 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 trying, keep going. All right. Second one is from Sad Son. Dear one tough mother, I have a situation I could use your advice with. My ten year old has been friends with our neighbors and their kids for years. Very good friends. In fact, neighbors' kids were thought of as ours and vice versa. Love the parents with the exception of their passion for late night drinking and smoking. Last year, we moved out of state, only 90 minutes away from our old house. Visits continued back and forth for a while. This past June, while uh, while attending neighbor's child's birthday party, our son was asked to spend the night. In previous times, we would say yes, as we only lived a few houses away. This time, however, we declined, as we are 90 minutes away, and the parents tend to indulge in drinking and smoking. The local bar is a block away. This leaves the neighbor, the, neighbor, the neighbor friend's kids home alone, ages 15, 10, and 7. Now they refuse to speak with us and acknowledge phone or text messages. How can we restore this, this relationship for our son's sake? 
sad son. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, obviously you took um, that relationship more at heart than they did because if that's how they feel, like, you know, come on. They're not even responding. They don't respond. Come on, that's really rough. You don't be like, okay, we're, you know, we understand or, wow, we were really sad that he well, couldn't stay. Well, well, it depends. Like, how did you tell them you weren't going to let him stay there? Did you say you guys drink or smoke too much? It was sometimes it's in the delivery. Well, yeah. yeah. You know. Now, what you say, how you say how it. how you say it. And right. so it sounds like to me that maybe the way that you delivered that message was insulting. It's possible. It's a possibility, Seth. Yeah, we're missing some information, but mm. also as a parent, you have to make some unpopular decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not leaving my kid there and going 90 minutes. And like, that was the first thing I thought of when she said it. Especially they keep made a point in the drinking and smoking. I, I would not be comfortable with that either. Right. I and agree. If, if they don't like it, then we'll make new friends. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. And first of all, 90 minutes, you're going to drop them off and then go home and then come back 90 minutes. You know, that's no. no. Stop. She's, she's, I think they're like worrying about the overnight the sleepover because yeah. two houses down, the kid can leave the house and run two houses home. Yeah. 90 minutes, it's a whole other kettle of fish. And right? your son, pro- he's going to, I know it's tough right now and he really misses the kids, but there's other kids and he's going to make other friends and, and he'll just have to realize what true friendship is. I think maybe sit him down and say, you know, they've moved on and you need to move on and we, we're I'm- all... Unless they just literally call up the parents and say, listen, we, we're all adults. We want to talk to you about this. They won't respond, the, she said. Yeah, they don't respond to the calls. We don't know what, I mean, we don't know. Maybe they should just go visit them. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, let us know how, if any of this helped you or. If you have any more information, yeah. that's, that we can be <laughs> more assistance. Okay. Writer blocked. OTM. I love writing, but I live in a small town and I'm no one important yes you are is there any way i could start a career in writing stories or books maybe i'm reaching for the stars that are out of my reach writer blocked writer blocked nothing is out of your reach especially as writing writing transcends it can go over the internet you can self-publish you can get into online writing groups where you share your information where you share your stories there's so many different ways um in which to write and to get better at writing or to figure out what type of writing you want to do that doesn't require you to be in the same room as somebody else. And um, just because you live in a small town, and by the way, you are absolutely important and your voice is important. By the way, also, I would check out the schools, the colleges that are in your area. A lot of them have writing courses. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to start a blog first and just see how it goes. And you don't, when you start a blog, you don't have to put it up online immediately. You find your groove and what you're comfortable with, and then you go from there. But Gail's right. You can always self-publish, and everybody writes. Yeah, and you know what? When you say you're from a small town, and is that, did they say, is that too big a dream? We're, I'm from a small town. There's like 2,000 people. I took Lisa to my house. Yes. The town is, is tiny, town. and it's in the middle of cornfields. And I don't think that, that makes a difference. You have to have a goal. I mean, keep pushing. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm from a small town, and it's not happening. It will happen. Yeah. You can do anything you want to do. There's also a really good book that's called If You Can Talk, You Can Write um, that will help you not be as intimidated by it. It's uh, Look it up online. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. Um, and just just do it. Just do it. Yeah, and and again, I mean, you've got the internet now. I can't ever Mm -hmm. think there's an excuse for anyone as to where they live, as to why they can't do something. Because with the internet, I mean, geez, you can do anything. Especially writing. So, yeah, let us know what you think. And remember, please, if you have a question, if there's something you want us to help you with, if you want to, you know, just ask one of us, all three of us, or just Seth a question, please write to uh, onetoughmother.com. It's one tough m-u-t-h-e-r dot com we're there for you and we're here to answer your questions and we love helping everybody. and i must say karen just redesigned the site it is beautiful thank it's you such a great job. it is beautiful christine kudos yeah christine does it and she does a great job with it and um she's always updating it and making it great yeah. and making it easier like user, user friendly, friendly. Yeah, more, easy more. for people to use so please just seth did you see my new site I haven't yet, but I'm going to go check it out now. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And um, Lisa, what do we have? Mother Says, sponsored by Dove Skin Care, be your beautiful self. Okay, and Mother Says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Understand what Jen was telling you. You have to believe in yourself. You have to go 
with what you believe and not worry about what people are saying. And if you really believe in yourself, those people will step up to help push you forward. So all I have to say is thanks for listening again. We're here every Friday. We love having your emails. We love helping you out. And please find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, hashtag OTM, hashtag One Tough Mother, hashtag Tough Mothers. And Gail, take care of your knee. Yes, please. Oh, what's going on? And stay away from the sidewalks. Damn it, they you hurt. Know, and you know what else I do? Free Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good time, people. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.